And I'd love to wish all the fathers a happy Father's Day. And if, if you're like me, you've probably never said, pay the mechanic whatever he wants. Right? Or, or how about, yeah, that guy with the tattoos and the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, I, I just would never say those things. So dads, I want to encourage you this morning. God has filled you with who he is. Speak up. Don't, don't say the things that this world might tell us to say or just go along to get along. Like, be the man of God that he's called us to be. Because that's a calling that we all have as, as fathers. And, and if you're here this morning as a dad, or, or maybe you're here and you're missing your dad this morning, we stand with you as well. We, we understand what that's like, and, and we just pray for God's grace. So this morning as I get going, before we talk about endurance, which is a great Father's Day message, how many men want to endure? Come on, I need a couple of men. All right, that's good. Ladies, God calls us all to endure. You're not left out of this. But before we get going, I just want to mention a little bit about our Shine Youth Camp. For kids to go to Shine Camp, it costs about $130. We, we do fundraisers. We ask every kid to pay something. But this year, more than other years, we've got some kids that would love to go but don't have the money. So it's going to cost about $100 to scholarship them. If you would love to partner with us in, in any way, 20, 25, or all 100, there's some offering boxes at the back. If, if you would feel so, so inclined to please donate to that, we'd love that. You can also go to shallowcommunity.church and then the the giving pull down, there's a Shine Scholarship Fund. So we'd appreciate you standing with us in that. So this morning I want to talk about endurance. What comes to your mind as you think about this word endurance? Does it sound easy? No, it doesn't sound easy. Does it sound fun? No, I don't really think it sounds like much fun. In fact, you know what? If I can avoid endurance, it just sounds like a place I don't really want to go. But yet, God's Word talks to us about endurance. And, and what it says is amazing. So I want to begin with this scripture in James 1, verses 2 to 4. This is a scripture, I, I came across it in my Bible reading last year. It was about, I don't know, May, June time frame or so. And it just struck me so much. It's, I've been, this message has been a year in the works, if, if you will, right? So, so this is what it says in James 1, 2 to 4. Dear brothers and sisters... When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I, I can't tell you, you'll have to ask the Shiloh staff how many times I've quoted this scripture in the past year. Because I'm like, anything goes wrong, hey, when troubles of any kind come your way, it's an opportunity for what? It's an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When I saw this scripture, and I, I was really focusing on verse 2, when troubles of any kind, doesn't that sound amazing? How many of you have troubles this morning? Doesn't matter what trouble you have, troubles of any kind qualify, right? Any kind. You all qualify this morning to have great joy. So I, I looked at that, and I'm like, this is an amazing scripture. God, I'm going to find so much joy now when troubles come my way. And, and it's kind of like when you pray for patience. God puts things in your path that test your patience, right? So I'm, I'm looking for opportunities for great joy. And it was last June, I guess it was a hot month. And our air conditioning in the sanctuary broke. So we call, call our vendor. He comes and he fixes it. Next week, air conditioning breaks again. I'm like, it's an opportunity for great joy. By the third time around, I'm like, okay, this isn't really bringing me much joy anymore. I'm not seeing the opportunity for great joy. 
And then we, we like to go away for vacation as a family to Ocean City, New Jersey. And this has never happened to us in our years of going away on vacation. But Meg and I are in the car alone. We're going away for vacation. And we have a horrific accident. So you might see the bumper of the car behind us. So that's my car, the silver car with all my beach chairs going to the beach. Everything got trashed in, the, in that hitch hall. Even the boogie boards were dented. I mean, I could still use them, but I had, they're not, you know, the, once the, uh, the foam covering gets dented, it's not so good anymore. So you see all the, the liquid on the floor there, on the street? Well, we're in front of the car and just kind of feeling devastated. And this scripture literally is going through my mind. It's an opportunity for great joy. Like, I'm going to find God. Where is the joy in this situation? And then someone comes running up. The car behind you is on fire. And I'm like, okay, when you thought it couldn't get any worse, now it's getting worse, right? So there I am. I'm, I'm weird for whatever reason. When we go to the beach, I, I like to bring my own water. Uh, so I bring gallons of water in the back of my car for coffee, to make coffee in the morning. So I've got all these gallons of water in the, in the, the rear passenger right on the floor there. So I, I get a gallon of water and there's me. I'm like throwing water on this fire so that my whole car doesn't go up in flames. And yes, I got it out even before the fire department got there. But I was thinking to myself, where's the joy? It's an opportunity for great joy, but I, I, I didn't feel any joy. I, it just it felt like this drags. This is, this is the way you start your family vacation, right? My car is totaled. I've got to rent a car. I've got to figure out how I'm going to get everything from this car inside another car, and I can't get in the hatch. I've got to climb through the back door and kind of, oh, man. And it was a super, super hot day. And I wasn't really having fun, to be quite honest with you. So then I went back to this scripture. And I, was, I said, okay, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I'm like, all right, I'm missing the opportunity here because I'm looking for joy and, and I'm not finding joy in the situation. But the scripture doesn't say I'm going to find joy in it. It says I'm going to have an opportunity for great joy. And the joy comes in verse 3. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. See, there's something we can be joyful about that God is doing a work in our lives that's going to last forever and ever. And, and when I'm in the middle of a situation, when I was going through this, it was hard to see God's testing my faith for a reason to make me more like his son, Jesus. And it says, so let, let faith, when faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse four, so let it grow. Let it grow. That's pretty simple. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, we all want to be perfect and complete. I think I'm, we're going to be perfect and complete when we get to heaven, right? I don't, I don't see any of us here on this earth getting to attain that. But this is the process that God has given us between where we are now and when we're, when we're, heaven, when we're in heaven it's all about your faith is tested and it's an opportunity for you to learn endurance. So, so buckle up because this is for all of us. We all need to learn endurance because God is doing something of eternal value in each one of our lives. So as I looked at that word endurance, I started to think, you know, spiritual endurance, I'm not sure I could tell you really what it even means because I'm not sure I even really know what physical endurance looks like. Just as we, we covered when we first started, not a lot of us say, yeah, I want to learn endurance. Let's go out and learn it. So let me for a minute just point to, this is the definition we see in the dictionary for endurance. The fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. 
Okay, so I, I get it. It's kind of what I thought it was. It doesn't sound like it's going to be a lot of fun. Unpleasant things are going to come my way, difficult processes or circumstances I'm going to find myself in the middle of, and I'm not supposed to give way. That's what endurance is. How many of you, when you get in a situation that's unpleasant, you like to go down the woe is me, my life is hard, no one else has the trouble I have, why can't I be like so-and-so? Ever, ever feel that way or think those things, right? So when I thought about physical endurance, I thought, you know, maybe if I could learn something of physical endurance, God might give me an application to spiritual endurance. And, and I went on this quest not knowing, but a couple years ago, Every May, uh, Meg and I go out to, to Grove City College where my kids go to school, and it's parents' weekend. And all four of my kids have gone to the school, so May, for the past, I can't tell you how many years, we've gone to parents' weekend, uh, first week of May. So a couple years ago, Hannah mentions to me that she's going to be running a half marathon that Sunday of parents' weekend. Would I come to Pittsburgh and watch her? And being the good dad I am, I'm like, uh, it doesn't sound like much fun. But you know what? I might run it with you because I've been a runner. I run a couple miles during the week. So we trained together and we ran a half marathon, had a lot of fun. It was great. I was chasing her the whole time, literally chasing her the whole time. Like, Hannah, slow down. So last year, we decided we we're going to run another half marathon. And, and then this past year, after I see this scripture in James, I'm thinking, I wonder what it would be like to run a full marathon. Like, that's a test of endurance, to run a marathon. Half marathon, it's, it's not as hard as it seems. But a full marathon, yeah, that, that's going to be a challenge. So I asked Hannah, would you like to run a, the full marathon next year? She's like, absolutely not. There is no way. And, and we went back and forth. And, and finally, we decided, okay, we're going to run it. And my son Dan's an ultra-marathoner, so like running a marathon is easy-peasy for him. So Dan's in. The three of us are going to run a marathon. Great. So I started on this quest for endurance, but I want to see what does the Bible have to say about endurance? Because I, I want to learn physical endurance so that I can make the, the jump to spiritual endurance. And I'm going to share some things that I feel like God's put on my heart. But we're going to start with what's the Bible have to say about endurance. So we see this in Hebrews 10, 36. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you'll receive all that he's promised. So how many of you want to do God's will in your life? Every hand should go up. We all want to do God's will. What do you need to do God's will? What I see in Hebrews is you need patient endurance and you need it now if you're going to accomplish God's word or God's will. Then you're going to receive all that he's promised. Again, anybody want to be a candidate for all God has promised? Yeah, like, bring it on, God. I want your promises. Great. You need endurance if you're going to fulfill God's will and if you're going to get all of these promised, all right? You want to learn more about endurance? Let's look at Romans 15. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Have you ever seen this scripture before? Like, I've read Romans a number of times. I'm like, where has this endurance nugget been hiding out in Romans? Why have I missed this in times past? But it's right there in front of us that if we look at scripture, scripture shows us not only about endurance, but it's going to give us encouragement that we might have hope. So I want to look at a couple examples this morning of where we see people that have had to endure tough, difficult situations right, that we might have hope from, from these people. So we're going to go to the story of Moses. Now Moses, you can read all about him in Exodus chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 
But I'm going to talk to you for a minute about a story that's told by Stephen in Acts. So Stephen is, is actually preaching the word, and he ends up this sermon. At the end of the sermon, he gets stoned to death. So it's a pretty good sermon, all right? And, uh, and as he's talking to the Israelites, he's retelling and recounting the story of Moses. And this is the last thing he, he said while he was here on this earth. He talks about when Moses was 40 days old. This is going to be in Acts 7. I'm going to just share a scripture right at the very end. So I'm saving you a lot of reading here. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives. So, so Moses grew up in Egypt's, in, in Egypt's the best that Egypt had because he was the Pharaoh's son and as, as an adopted son. So he leaves Pharaoh's house. He goes and visits his people. And as he's visiting his people, an injustice happens to another Israelite. So Moses is like, I'm here. I feel like God wants me to do something. And, and he steps in. And what does he do? He ends up killing that Egyptian that's beating up on an Israelite. And then when he realizes, oh my gosh, I went too far. I killed him. He buries him in the sand and then goes back to Pharaoh's house. The next day, he comes back out to be with his people again. And, and another Israelite is having an argument with his brother. And Moses tries to jump in and says, no, God, guys, you don't really want to argue about this. And, and someone says, hey, are you going to step in on this situation like you did yesterday where you killed that Egyptian? And he's like, oh, my gosh, people know I murdered this Egyptian. Now, now I've got to leave town. So Moses flees. He leaves. He's in the desert for 40 years. So he's, he was 40 years old when this happened, and now another 40 years goes by. Another 40 years. He's 80 years old now. He's in the desert. He's got his kids, and he sees the burning bush, if you know the story. So God speaks to him from the burning bush. He feels, he, you know, God tells him multiple times, Moses, I want you to go back. And he's like, yeah, heard that, God. I'm not your guy. Yeah, God, I, I know you want me to go back, but let me tell you again, I'm, I'm not interested. And the third time, that God asked Moses, Moses, I want you to go back. Moses like, yeah, I, I don't have any of the qualities you're looking for. Don't, isn't there someone else you can ask? But here's what Stephen says about Moses in verse 35. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded, who made you a ruler and judge over us? And through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. So Moses does end up going back. Now, if you look at what happened 40 years earlier, when Moses left Egypt, was that a success or was that a failure? I look at it as a failure. Like, Moses, what are you doing? But, but he leaves. Okay, so enough said about that. I hope you're feeling the hope and the love this morning in the Scripture, right? So let's move on to the story. Another story we're going to cover, story of Peter. So Peter, if you know him well, he was one of the disciples. He was a very vocal disciple of Jesus and just was always, whatever came to mind, he'd share it, right? He, he didn't have much of a filter. So Peter's known for, for always speaking up about Jesus, but then Jesus gets captured and he, he gets taken by the high priest and arrested. And now they brought him to, to the high priest. And, and Peter, we find in, in Luke 22, that Peter's followed Jesus. And he's in the outer court where they're trying Jesus inside. And a servant girl notices him in Luke twenty-two fifty-six. 56. Servant girl notices him in the firelight and begins staring at him. Do you ever feel like someone's looking at you? It must have felt like that. Like, okay, wait a minute. Why are you looking at me? You know, but, but the servant girl is staring at Peter and says, Hey, this man was, Jesus, was one of Jesus' followers. And Peter denies it. Woman, I don't even know him. And, and then he goes on to deny him twice more. And as the story, the rooster crows, 
Jesus denied him three times before the rooster crowed twice, and the prophecy was fulfilled, and Peter felt horrible about it. Now, if someone asked you, if someone of importance came up and, and asked you a difficult question, maybe you'd be put on the spot, you'd feel a little bit embarrassed, and, and you wouldn't go through. But this is a servant girl coming to Peter. Like, Peter, why are you worried about a servant girl? Well, it's not just who she was, it's who she represented. Hey, if I tell this girl, this girl might go tell her master, and the master might tell the high priest, and then I could get in trouble. So, so Peter denies Jesus in Luke 22. But then we find later, after Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, him and John are, are just going about their business one day. They're heading to the temple for the morning, morning uh, sacrifice, not morning sacrifice, but morning prayer. And on their way to the temple, they pass this gate called Beautiful. And there's a man that's a beggar that's been there every day for I don't know how many years. And the beggar calls out to Peter and John and says, hey, could you give me some money? And Peter and John say, look, we don't have silver, we don't have gold, but what we have we're going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, they stretch out a hand. They say, rise up and walk. And the man gets up and walks, and it's an amazing miracle. They go into the temple, there's rejoicing, and, and of course there's a stir and a buzz that's caused. So the high priests arrest Peter and John. They arrest him, they bring him before him the next day, and they're, they're having to give an account for what is it that's happened? Now, Peter, who couldn't even acknowledge Jesus in the outer, you know, outer temple, in the courtyard of where the high priest is, now he's brought before the high priest, and this is what he says to him in Acts 4.10. Let me clearly state to all and to all the people of Israel that this man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. So, so Peter preaches it undeniably, no apology. He just puts it out there right to these high priests. What happened? What was the difference? So the first time did Peter succeed or fail? He failed, right? He, he denied Christ. So what's the common theme here? Moses failed first. Peter failed first. Uh, what conclusion would you make about you and I? Are we supposed to fail first? Because you know what? I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at failing. I've never not succeeded. When I've tried to fail, I could usually fail, right? It's, it's not that hard to do. Sometimes you just have to do nothing. Sometimes you just put your, your foot in your mouth, but we're all good at doing that, right? So, so all of us can fail, but is that really the common theme? I, I want to look a little closer to these scriptures. So in Acts 7.23, we didn't read this earlier, but it says, one day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. So, you know, as I'm looking at that, it doesn't say that God called him to visit his people. It says Moses decided to visit his people. All right, so, so maybe there's a tip there. Now, what happens when God sends him back? It says, so God sent the same man back, right? So now I'm starting to piece something together. Moses acted on his own, and that led to his departure from Egypt. And then it was God who sent Moses back to Egypt. All right, do I see the same thing with Peter? So when they arrested him and led him to the high priest, it says Peter followed at a distance. At face value, all right, so Peter decides to follow him. But what's missing from, from that sentence that I'm looking for? Doesn't say, okay, Peter asked God, God, should I follow? Should I follow at a distance? God, what would you have me do right now? How do I help, How do I help my friend Jesus? No, Peter just decides, this is a good thing to do. I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. So Peter's the one that decides to do it. 
And then later on when Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens? He can talk to all the rulers and the elders. So Peter decides to follow Jesus at the distance and he fails. Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit and he succeeds. So now here's the observation that I would make out of both of these statements. When we step out in our own strength, we're going to fail. Like there's things that God has called us to do, but if I try to do them in who I am, or you try to do them in who you are as a person with just your own grit, you're going to fail. But when we step out in God's will, and when we step out in the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe that we can succeed. So are we all destined and chosen, and, and first we've got to fail before we succeed? No, not necessarily. The choice is ours. And the choice is this. Are you going to step out in your own strength? Are you just going to decide, oh, this is what i got to go do. I'm going to go do it. Or are you going to stop for a minute and say, God, what is it that you would have me do? It's very simple to ask God his opinion on things. That kind of means like he's the boss when you ask him, what should I do? Instead of, oh, I just know what to do. I'm going to go do this. No, stop pause, pray, say, God, what would you have me do? Because if Moses had done that or if Peter had done that, it might have been a different outcome for them. And I think the encouragement and the hope we're supposed to gain, as Romans said, is look at them as an example and now learn from what they didn't do, that we would go off and do that. So now I want to go back to my scripture in James. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Is it just me or does anyone else feel like sometimes God orchestrates circumstances in your life on purpose to test you? Anybody feel like that? That God does that to you? Well, if you feel like that, you're in good company because we see that in the Word of God. And I'll, I'll read to you from Deuteronomy 8. This is Moses talking to the Israelites before they go into the promised land. And he's encouraging them, hey, be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you, that when you live and multiply, you'll enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give to his ancestors. And then Moses says this in Deuteronomy 8.2, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. So if we're supposed to learn from the stories in the Bible, that's what Romans told us, right? If we're supposed to learn the endurance, the stories of endurance, and, and we'll take hope from that, we can see in Deuteronomy that God queued things up for the children of Israel during all the wilderness time that they would learn something and they would prove what their faith is. So now I want to jump for a minute and ask you, does anyone recognize what this might be that I'm showing on the screen? It's a schedule, yeah. Schedule for what? It's a running schedule. Yes, this is my running schedule. So on the left, this is what I use to train for a marathon. Just a portion of it is the week number. 12, week 12, week 13, week 14. It was an 18-week training plan. And then across the top is the days, and in the yellow is the, my planned run, and in the green is what I ran. So you can look, if you look at uh, week 13, I was supposed to run 43 miles. I crushed it. I almost ran 44 miles, right? Really proud of that. Did the 20-mile run with Dan. Supposed to run the next day. I had already planned on on trying to lighten it up, so I ran the day before. Week 14 is a step-down week. That's all good. Week 15, do you see that 22 in the yellow? What do you see in the green of week 15? 19. I, I blew it. I failed. I was supposed to run 22. Now, I had a choice, run on Saturday, 
when Dan's not home or wait until Monday when Dan is home. I'm like, I don't need Dan. I got this. I ran 20 with him before. I can run 22 by myself. I normally run in the morning. And I have this whole regimen about what I eat and what I do. I was running in the afternoon. I was off my game. I, my eating wasn't where I needed to be. I wasn't really paying attention because I already ran 20. It's only two more miles. Like, how hard can it be, right? So I'm out there, and I'm dying. Like, three miles in, I'm going up a hill. I've run up this hill I don't know how many times. And I, John, like, in my head, I'm like, I can't run up this hill anymore. And I just stop, and I walk. I'm like, what am I doing right now? So I get to the top of the hill. I keep running, and I stop again and walk. And I stop again and walk. And, like, with everything in me, I'm like, I can do this. And I'm finding I can't do it. I'm just hitting wall after wall after wall. So finally, I... I've run this route before. I passed the mobile mini mart and I've never done this before, but I'm like, I got my phone. I got Apple Pay on my phone. I go into the mobile mini mart, buy a Gatorade, like drink down a Gatorade, use the bathroom, splash my face. I'm like, okay, now I can do it. I can run some more. I go like another mile or two and I'm, I'm ready to walk. I'm like, I'm just losing it. So mile 18, I'm thinking to myself, four more miles. How many times have I run four miles? It's practically just around my neighborhood and a little more. Like I can do that. Oh, I can't do it. I, I just stop. And I call Meg. I'm like, Meg, could you come pick me up? Like, we were watching Dan and Miranda's kids. They were out of town. She's like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I just don't feel like running anymore. I'm not feeling it. But inside, I'm like ready to cry. Because I'm like, I can't run what I said I was going to run. So I, I run another mile just to meet where she is. But I'm feeling like I'm a failure. Even though I run 19 miles, I'm feeling like I failed. Because I don't run my 22. Now, running 19 miles is not, a, is not a bad amount of mileage to run. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't run what I expected to. I failed, and I'm disappointed in who I am. You ever been disappointed in yourself? Yeah, do you think Peter was disappointed when he denied Christ? Do you think Moses was disappointed when he's trying to fulfill what he thinks God's called him to do, but it's a crash and burn? Because, see, I thought I had this. Not that I need God's Spirit to fill me, but kind of. I need to recognize, you know, I need other people to come in with me. So, so what is God more concerned about, the process or the result? What would, what would your answer be? Ah, okay, you are all uh, indicting yourselves when you say the process. You're right. God is more concerned about the process, and it's this testing of our faith. See, when my faith gets tested, I want the results. I want the answered prayer. And God's like, oh, I want you just to sit in here and stew a little bit. Like the soup isn't cooked yet. We've got to turn the heat up a little bit more to get it, get it to a boil. We're, you're not ready yet for the result. And I'm like, God, please, I want the result. God's like, no, the process is good. So if you've ever watched football, you've probably heard Bill Belichick, coach of the Patriots, say it takes mental toughness to win a game. And you got to play the full 60 minutes. Anybody ever heard him say that? Yeah, I've always listened to him as I'm sitting in my easy chair, feet up, watching the TV going, come on, how hard can it be? 60 minutes, guys. You're getting paid millions of dollars. Mental toughness. Sure, I, I got mental toughness. We have no idea what mental toughness is. I learned a little bit that day at, at mile 19 what mental toughness is. That I don't have it. it it's hard. When it's hot, when you're tired, like you get, get the right circumstance and you just want to give up. It's a wall like you've never experienced before. I experienced that wall. I get it now. But if I, can find, if I can face that wall physically, what does it look like to face that wall spiritually? You know, that day I could have just decided it's only four more miles. Go. But I couldn't get there. I just couldn't. 
And there's times spiritually where we know what we need to do. And it's like, I just, we just can't get there spiritually. There seems to be a wall. What do we do? How do we get over that wall? Well, I want to tell you, I was concerned after not making my 22. Am I ever going to run 26? My plan doesn't have me running any more long miles. I'm, I'm stepping down. And now we come to race day. And you know, race day was easy. It, it was not hard to run 26 miles. Were my feet hurting by the end? Of course they were. But I just run 26 miles. It wasn't hard to run. And here we are, me, Dan, and Hannah at the finish. It was a great day. But, but what was the difference between race day and that training run where I couldn't make it. All right, here's some of the differences. Endurance takes mental toughness. You got to be you got to be prepared. You have to be focused. I went into that 22-mile run and I wasn't as prepared and focused as what because I just thought it's not going to be that hard. I've already run 20. Yeah, I was wrong. And it says about our enemy that he runs across this earth to and fro looking for whom he may devour. But in the spirit, we need to stand and we need to stand firm. So there's a, an endurance we need to have for a physical uh, test. There's an endurance we need to have as a spir- in spiritual tests. And sometimes that endurance, it's difficult. It's challenging. Don't, don't think, hey, because I passed the last test, I'm going to pass the next test. Because the minute you do that, you're relying on your own strength. You're saying, yeah, I've done this before. I know what to do. I can do this. Yeah, it's... There's a reason why 1 Corinthians 10 says, when you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. It doesn't say when you think you're going to fall, take heed. It says when you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. We can learn something from that about spiritual endurance, that it takes a spiritual toughness. There will be times you want to give up, but what does God's word have to say? Be prepared, be ready for those times. And then the other thing I can say is this. On race day, it was amazing to me how many people come out along the whole marathon route and cheer you on. Right, so I don't, I don't have it with me right now, but every runner gets a bib, and you put your name on the bib, and some people just put their first name, but I'm too cool to just put my first name, right? So I put my rapper name. Now, you may think, Greg, you got a rapper name? You didn't know I had a rapper name? My rapper name, my middle name is Douglas, so David has coined my rapper name Dougie Fresh. Now, I can't put Dougie Fresh on my bib, so I just put D Fresh. But when I'm running up a hill and someone says, yo, D Fresh, you got this, I'm like, I know they're talking about me. There's no one else out here with the, with the name D Fresh on their bib. And I'm like, yeah. And then as I run a little faster, Hannah hits me. Dad, you're going ahead of me. Stop, stop pushing the pace, you know. Um, but it's amazing when people are cheering you on, how good you feel. When there's aid stations and it's hot outside, like they're coming every three, four miles. They're giving you stuff to drink. They're giving you oranges. Like when you're running and you take a slice of orange, it's like you just had heroin injected into you. It feels amazing. Oh, I don't know what it feels like to have heroin, but, <laughs> but it just feels amazing. You're like, whoa, what just happened right now? I took an orange slice, right? It's, it's just, it's incredible to have that support along the race. What would it look like? If we were that support for one another spiritually, I had someone the other, the other week email me and she said, Greg, I'm going through a really hard time. And she explained the time and she said, this is the scripture I'm standing on. Do you have any other scriptures I could be praying into during this time? And I thought, what a great email for someone to send. First of all, okay, she recognized it was a hard time. She was going to God's word, but she's asking me, what are other scriptures I could stand on? You know what? That's what it looks like to have support 
spiritually. So when we're, when we're going through situations, right, when, when all of us face troubles, troubles of any kind, you all qualify. I qualify for this. If you've got trouble, you're in. Troubles of any kind, it's an opportunity for great joy. But the joy isn't just in the fact that the trouble is going to go away. The joy is that your faith is being tested and God has something for you, for you and I to learn about endurance as we go through these situations. So spiritual endurance takes take spiritual toughness. It's a real thing. Don't, don't think that you've got spiritual toughness because you passed a test and now you're going to be ready for the next test. No, you may have passed that last one. The next one, if you're not relying on God and you're not asking Him to make you ready and you're not being alert and you're not, you're not um, you know, taking heed while you stand, you could easily fall because you're relying on, on yourself. You're not relying on the Lord. So spiritual endurance, it takes a spiritual toughness. It's a real thing. And then spiritual endurance, it takes support. If you want to run the race and you want to finish the race, you need support. We all do. Now, what could I have done differently on that 22-mile run? I could have been much better prepared. I could have had water drops along the way for myself. I, I didn't anticipate the effect heat was going to have. I could have just waited and run with Dan. That would have helped a lot to have someone else to be running with. But spiritual endurance takes support. Could we be a support for one another? Right? If, if you're going through a situation where your trouble is hard, what does it look like to reach out to someone else that you know and say, hey, could you pray for me in this situation? After first service, someone came up to me. And I don't know why in first service, I, I do know why, I'm just not sharing it. But in first service, when I read the James scripture, I got all emotional like I'm getting now. And someone picked up on it afterwards and said, hey, Greg, how can I be praying for you? And like I was glad first service it cleared out because the tears start coming. And I'm like, yeah, here's the situation I'm going through. I'm not going to mention it right now, but... It was just an amazing feeling to have someone notice and someone to say, how can I be praying for you? Like, that's so cool when we come together as a community of believers, amen? So let's provide that support for one another. Now, lastly, as we stand, let's pray. But I, you guys can all stand. We're going to pray. I, I want to focus on this scripture in Philippians, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So like if you need a scripture to pray into, you're going through a trouble, you're not feeling it, you're running into the wall. This is one for you. Write it on your index card, stick it on your mirror at home, put it on your, your steering wheel in the car. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can't do it in yourself spiritually. You can't. You're going to fail. Peter failed, Moses failed, but we're not destined to fail. We're destined to walk in the spirit. That's the truth. Right? We're, we're destined to say, God, I need to get a hold of you. So this morning, whatever trouble you're going through, I want to invite you to get a hold of God in the middle of that trouble. Because if you get a hold of God in the middle of that trouble, something will change. So let's, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, that when we, when we see troubles of any kind, it is an opportunity for great joy. Not because of what we're going through, but because of the testing of our faith and, and that that's building endurance in us. Lord, and that endurance is, is something that you have for all of us to learn here on this earth, and we take that with us into heaven. So God, we give you thanks in the middle of whatever situation we're going through. We give you thanks for that. Lord, help us learn what, it, what endurance looks like. God, help us not rely on our own strength, but rely on your spirit. Lord, help us be there for one another to be a support and to be an encouragement. And God, I pray for anyone that's just really feeling like they're hitting the wall. Lord, in Jesus' name, I speak faith to them that Philippians 4.13 says they can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens them. And I pray for your strength to come now. I pray for your grace to come in Jesus' name. And we give you praise for all these things, Lord. I pray a blessing over each one, pressed down, shaken together, running over, Lord. May we be filled with your grace and your love and your peace today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you all have a great Father's Day. Enjoy the, the rainy day.